revealed yourself to us in new ways this week and, and in ways uh, greater than we could ever possibly deserve. And we thank you. And we, Lord, we pray that you would continue. Continue to, uh, to speak to us through Tim tonight. Continue to give us ears that can hear, hearts that can receive, Lord. Help us to uh, experience your presence in this place, Lord, but help us to, to know that, um, that you are here because you love us, because you're calling us into relationship, because you desire not only to know us, because you know us deeply, but for us to know you. And so, Lord, open our eyes. Open our eyes, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Swindle. Thank you, thank you. All right. Um, I got a green light. Can you hear me? Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Um, so I am just, like, in love with y'all. Y'all know that already. Uh, I did go visit the yacht today. Uh, there is a little bit more duct tape than I thought there might be. Uh, but, hey, um, the anchor is uh, pretty much what I'm used to in Kentucky. The anchor is uh, uh, just a block, a block of cement. Yeah, it's good. good. Um, but I will tell you that uh, uh, whether or not we move up here or not, uh, I will know that I'm part of family. And so part of the family of uh, Bayshore is uh, realizing I was on the point today. And uh, I realized I never kind of thought this before, but I don't have any, I don't think I do, have any more living aunts and uncles. I don't think I do. I, uh, my mom died uh, in uh, January of 2000. Uh, all of her family died early before she passed away. All her brothers, she only had one brother, and uh, he died before uh, he was, I think, 16. My dad was an orphan in New Mexico, and so um, uh, we really don't know. We knew there was one aunt and one uh, uncle, uh, one of his sisters, Aunt Betty in Alabama, and one of his uh, brothers, uh, Uncle Joe in Florida. They both passed away. So as far as I know, I've got no uncles, and I've got no, no aunts that I know of. So, Uncle Warren and Aunt Mary, where you at? I don't know where you at. Where you at? Usually back here, yeah. So, um, now, I, I'm going to adopt you. You're going to be my Uncle Warren, and you're going to be my Aunt Mary. Now, listen, bringing me cold, iced, sweet tea before every breakout session and before every worship service has nothing to do with that decision. Nothing to do with that decision. I just love you guys, and I just want to adopt you as my uncle and, and my aunt. And uh, so you could stop bringing me iced tea if you want to. Don't, but you could, and I would still adopt you as my uncle and my aunt. So I just love you guys so very much. Oh, my gosh. All right, so we got to give you um, this evening's dose of Teresa Blight. Um, this is awesome. This is going to be really good. I listened to it earlier. She said, Pastor Tim, did you, did you tell them what I told them about Michigan? I said, yes, Teresa, and they love you. So here is the latest edition of Teresa Blight, one of our prayer warriors who is praying for you all. She's part of like 50 people praying for you all every single night. And here is Teresa Blight. Well, Pastor Tim, I didn't find out too much interesting stuff. Hang on. <clears throat> staying at. It was founded by a Lutheran minister named um, Ock, uh, James Ock, I believe, in 1853. And uh, it was John Ock, I'm sorry. And they used to have a big That was 
was shut down by prohibition, and they mainly brewed German beer. <laughs> the name uh, Sebring comes from the Algonquin Indians, and it means crooked river. But the one listen, listen, interesting thing I found that you're really going to love, oh, love Michigan is one of the major hot spots for Bigfoot sightings. Yes! They had yes! 224 yes! in one year. Yes! And um, most of them have been in the upper peninsula and around the upper thumb where you are. There's a place up there called the Bigfoot hunting preserve they have a lodge there Don't, you know and it sounds like there? a pretty good place i looked it up and um, <laughs> most of the sightings like i said are up there in the thumb area where you are so you keep your eyes open for bigfoot all right i love you come home safe and sound soon adios amigo <laughs> I'm telling you, this is a this is a locked and loaded deal. No, no. Now there's no question. I've not even talked to Pam about this. Bigfoot sightings, Bigfoot like reserve, a Bigfoot camp. That is a sign from the Holy Spirit. If I've ever seen one, I have to move here. I've got to move here. Um, so we have a in in in, in Cord, Indiana. We've got this uh, Primer Chapel Church. It's just over a hill. And, and on the, when you go down the hill, there's about a half mile stretch before it hits the, the main road, which is an old country road, 60, uh, 62. And, but between about a half mile uh, from, the camp, so from the church, there's woods, or the creek, right? The, the creek winds around, and there's a thicket of woods right there. And then it stretches, uh, straightens out into like fields, soybean fields, corn, uh, corn fields, and all that. And then it goes to the bridge, so the Indian, Little Indian Creek winds around, and then there's a creek that, uh, there's a bridge that crosses that bridge. So I used to tell my kids, my wife would say, sweetheart, don't do that. But we would walk. I love walking up and down. I love running up and down that road. And, and, and so me and my kids would take walks all the time. And I would tell my kids, so there's little trolls that live under the bridge on the far side. But Bigfoot lives in the thick of the woods right here. And I said, so hurry quickly past, okay, and then pass those tickets, and you're okay in the corn and, 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 the, and the soybean fields, but then you got to be careful because there's trolls under the bridge. And my wife's like, sweetheart, don't do that. One night, we're coming home, me and Merritt, our, she's our oldest daughter, she's our missionary in Columbia, and we're walking back uh, from, uh, from a walk back and forth. We're near the bridge, and we even had a little discussion about the troll and Bigfoot and all that. And we are walking right at the, so there's a little base of a, a little hill, and the hill comes up, and right there's the church on the right, uh, some woods and a cemetery. It's perfect on an autumn night, oh, let's say in October. It's beautiful, baby. And, um, and so we're walking up on that hill. Anybody ever hear a mama raccoon hiss? I believe my daughter made it to the house in about 4.6 flats because and we had still about five more minutes before we got to the house she screamed she heard this mama raccoon she screamed and she said bigfoot and took off and uh so and she was about actually 15 years old she i wish i could say she was like eight no she's like 15 
And I tell that story, and she says, I didn't yell Bigfoot. She yelled Bigfoot. I heard her yell Bigfoot. Bigfoot heard her yell Bigfoot, all right? Bigfoot heard her yell Bigfoot. All right, we love you guys so, so, so much. Uh, so kind of like bittersweet, almost the next to the last. And um, I kept praying for my, my guys uh, at the church, told my guys at the church, my gals and guys at the church, keep praying. Um, I, I don't know too, I, I don't know uh, uh, low gear when I preach. Uh, I, I know high gear, and that's all I know, kind of. And and she and so my folks are saying, "How's your throat? How's your throat?" I said, "I could sure use some tea and honey and lemon, but I think I'm going to be okay for two more times. Tomorrow is the breakout session at 10:30, and then tomorrow night uh, we'll give her all we got. Amen, amen. We'll give her all we got tonight. Uh, we're, I think we're good. I think we're good. So uh, if I do a little squeaking, that's okay. Amen. It's just my voice. Is I guess I've been preaching for a couple of days." And so, uh, so here we go. Let's pick up with Romans. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now. Two things. How many things tonight? How many things tonight? Y'all can stay focused, right? Y'all can stay focused. Y'all can get, get really engaged. I heard what Adam prayed. You know, let's not be just hearers. Let's be doers, right? Uh, so here we go. Two things that I just want to point out. And we're only going to look at like three verses. Three verses, two things. Um, and, and, and then we're just going to invite folks to kind of respond as the Holy Spirit leads you, all right? So let's pick up. Romans 8, here we go, Romans 8, 26 begins this incredible promise. Look what happens. He says, Paul tells us that, that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Now, remember what we talked about last night. Anybody remember what we talked about last night? What, what's the word we talked about last night? Suffering, suffering. We're going to suffer, we're going to suffer. But good news, guys, good news. The Holy Spirit is going to help us in that suffering. The Holy Spirit's going to help us in our weakness. Not only that, here's the promise. Look at this. The Holy Spirit will help us in our weakness. For example, and here's a really, I think it's a really important example because I think it sets us up for like the very first thing. Here's the very first thing we need to talk about tonight. For example, we don't know what to pray for. That's what I said. We don't know what God wants us to pray for. Y'all got that, right? We don't know what God wants us to pray for. We don't know that. We have no ability on our own. Are you hearing that? We have no ability. I've never kind of walked this one. I'm gonna, I need to walk this way, right? We've we don't know how to pray. That's what, it, that's what that says, right? This, I want to make sure every screen is saying the same thing I think it says. We don't, say this with me. We don't know what God wants us to pray for. You know what it tells me? We don't know how to pray. Doesn't it say that? We don't know how to pray. Up a little higher. There you go. We don't know how to pray, but there is somebody who knows how to pray. Come on, guys. Not only does he intercede, so Jesus is in, the, in, in heaven. Uh, so kind of just help us where kind of things are here. Father in heaven. Sitting at the right hand of the Father is the Son of God, Jesus. Jesus, somehow or another, we never see. Now, we don't necessarily know 100% this, but I think we can make a pretty good educated biblical guess. We never see Jesus return his glorified body for a season to kind of be back into a spiritual body. We kind of believe, scholars much smarter than I, that Jesus Christ is in physical glorified form now in the spiritual realm 
He has the body that we are going to have. Amen? Come on, guys. We talked about this last night. Paul talks about this last night. We're going to be groaning and groaning, but yet we're hoping for a new body. Praise God. We're going to have a new body. I, 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 everything, every scar, there's only going to be a couple scars in heaven. You know this, right, Chuck? Only a couple scars in heaven. There's going to be a couple on the wrist. There's going to be a couple on the ankle bone. Might be a couple on the head. I believe Jesus is going to have scars. But they're going to be glorified scars. How many scars are you going to have? None. None. We're not going to have any scars. Because those scars would remind us of something, right? They can't. Wait, there's no tears in heaven. There's no pain in heaven. There's no suffering in heaven. So, so as we wait for a glorified body... Jesus already has a glorified body. And if we somehow or another, he's in the spiritual realm in a physical capacity. He's in a physical body in a spiritual realm. Guys, this is this, this wonderful, beautiful mystery. We talked a little bit about this at our, our, our breakout, our Bible study. You know, if you take this Venn diagram, you take a circle and you take a circle. And if you put the circles together, shoop, and it kind of forms a little, uh, like a little space right there. Right there is something called the mystery of God. Somebody say mystery. You will not figure God out. You can't figure God out. You can't put him in a box. You can't put him in your shirt pocket, pull him out when you need him. God is a God of mystery. But God is this God who has revealed enough for us to worship him, revere him, and surrender our whole lives. So what has been revealed is enough to elicit our surrender and our worship. Amen? Come on, guys. Come on. He, he, he's given us enough. He has surrendered. He has given us enough revelation to help us realize we owe him our lives. He's given us enough. But there are things that we just don't know. And somehow or another, Jesus is in this physical realm, uh, yet he's spiritual. And yet here's what's happening. Jesus is interceding for us. That's what the Bible says. Jesus is interceding for us. But the Spirit... Somehow or another, the Spirit, if you'll go back to verse 26, 26 maybe, maybe 25, 26, go back a little bit further, go back, go back, go back, go back, go back a little bit more, right there, perfect. Thank you so much, man. Thank you, Elijah. I love you, man. But the Holy Spirit, look what the Holy Spirit does. Come on, guys, look what the, tell me what the Holy Spirit does. We don't know how to pray. You can take a class on prayer. You can read a book on prayer. You can do all you want, but we don't know how to pray. Isn't that what the Bible says? That's what the Bible says. That's what Romans 8 says. We don't know how to pray what God wants us to pray for. We just don't know how to pray. But the Holy Spirit does. So the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And I believe what's happening is, it, it, here's Paul connecting the word groaning from earlier, like we said last night. Our bodies are groaning. Our bodies are like, we get up in the morning. And sometimes when we get up first thing in the morning, our bodies have an audible groan. Amen? Oh, gosh, you know? And, and so, but, but even, even if they don't, even if we don't have an audible groan, our bodies are wasting away. Our bodies are dying. But there's a hope. There's a hope. There's a hope. There's a glory. There's a glory. There's a glory. And that's why we set our sights on things above. We set our hearts on things above. We set our sights and hearts on heaven above and what Jesus is going to be and do when he comes back. And we, his children, who are his children? Anybody remember last night? Who are his children? 
Those who are led by the Holy Spirit. If you're not led by the Holy Spirit, you're not a child of God. I'm just telling you what the Bible verse said last night. That's just Bible, guys. That's just Bible. Now, again, we talk, I talk to folk at church and other places. I just say, if you don't agree with the Bible, that's okay. But I happen to believe in the Bible. And I believe this is inerrant. Mike, I believe this is infallible. I believe this is authoritative. That means there's nothing else above it. Not your opinion. Certainly not culture, Dee Dee. Nothing else takes the place of the authoritative word of God because the word of God, Tom, is the heart of God. It's the character of God. It reveals who he is. So nothing else can take that. So, so if it's true, if the word of God is true, we don't know how to pray. We don't know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit does. I took a group of uh, young folks, uh, about 35 youth. Uh, we, again, we had that creek in the back, and it was Pentecost Sunday. And Pentecost Sunday is a big deal for us. Uh, we shared this, at, uh, I think, Monday, I think, on the, on the Bible study. So uh, uh, the churches celebrate Christmas for good reason. Churches celebrate uh, Easter for good reason. And then churches, of course, go all out for Pentecost. Amen? <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> I'm not needing to cough. I'm just doing that for effect. Why don't churches celebrate Pentecost? Why don't churches understand that Pentecost is just as big a deal as Christmas and as Easter? And, and so in our church, we decided a few years ago, it felt like the Lord said we probably need to make this a bigger deal. So we made it a bigger deal. And, and so that Sunday afternoon, we took about 35, I think it's about 37 young folk, and we put them in the creek. We're just going to walk up the creek and just going to have some fun, have some teaching and all that. And right before we got to a place, it was a deeper place. There's a deeper, uh, uh, there's a lot of shallow places, but there's some deep creek, uh, deep holes in this creek. Uh, my, my son and I would go adventure fishing in these things. True story, true story. Uh, we go fishing. He's trying out his waders. He's 16 years old, maybe 17 years old. He got waders for his birthday, I guess it was, in February. We're trying out to fish in, in May, maybe June. Water's a little cold, but he's got these waders on, right? And he's crawling over. There's tree limbs over here, and, and we're trying to figure out there's a nice hole, nice hole right there. We got, we got those little short poles, you know, pew, you know, pew, pew, Try to get those little bluegill, but more importantly, little smallmouth bass, right? Any fishermen in the house, any fisherwomen in the house. Whoo, just kind of, and so, so Taylor said, I'm going to go up on that log. I said, well, son, you better be careful. The logs kind of get a little what? Schlick. They get a little what? Schlick. They get a little what? Schlick. And I said, just be careful, son. They get a little schlick. And he jumps up there, and he gets up there, and he tries to, whatever he's trying to do, I'm still kind of casting. I got one eye over here and one eye because I'm casting. All of a sudden, I hear this, whoom! He goes under. Now, this is about an eight-foot hole. He's about, he's about five foot ten. This is about an eight-foot hole with waders. Whoom! So there's a little bit of panic in this dad's heart for just a second. I'm thinking, he's going under, he's staying under because he got waders. So I come around and he's finally, he's got a tree limb and he's pulling himself up. And of course he's got, the waders are out here now. He's like walking like this, you know. And no kidding, true story. We get him into the bank, over the bank, because he's got to empty the waders, right? He catches a fish in his waders. I'm not even kidding. It's about a six-inch smallmouth bass. It's his best catch of the day. I'm not even kidding. True story, a true story. 
So anyway, so, so we, we traipse around. We get about 37 kids in, in Pentecost Sunday on that creek and in that creek. And we start walking. And we stop. We stop. It's okay, guys. Okay, guys. And we're splashing around. And we're about ready to go into that hole, that same hole right there that, we're, that, that, that Taylor jumped in or fell into and, and caught the fish. And we're about ready to go in. I said, okay, stop. Stop. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Raise your hand if your prayer life is boring. Not a single hand went up. Praise be to God. All 37 teenagers had an electrifying, vibrant prayer life. Woo! Or all 37 youth gave the pastor the church answer. The Sunday school answer. The fake and the false answers. Because we sure don't want to admit that our prayer lives are boring or our prayer lives don't have real vim and vigor to them. That our prayer lives aren't electrified by the power source of heaven itself. We don't want to admit that our prayer lives suffer and lack this intensity. We don't want to admit that. And so I finally kind of came back around and said, okay, guys, come on, guys, you know me. We got to be real. We got to be raw. We can't be this faking and forging stuff. Come on, ask again. Whose prayer life, because I even said, so everybody's prayer life is so exciting that you can lead a seminar about how your prayer life is exciting, right? Next Sunday, you're leading youth, right? So now let me ask the question. How many prayer lives? I couldn't finish the question. Boom! Every one of them rose a hand, right? Prayer life boring, prayer life boring. Is that question is good for 37 youth on the Pentecost Sunday. Maybe it's a good question for us. I, I, I've said this before, A.W. Tozer, this quote A.W. Tozer has, I think it's A.W. And he says, if there's a lack of maturity and a lack of spiritual fruit, and, 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 and if there's a lack of that, then there must be a lack of the spirit. I think I said that Monday or Tuesday, I think, right? Some, somewhere I said that, but it's a to, I think it's pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it's a Tozer quote. If there's a lack of spiritual fruit, if there's a lack of spiritual maturity, there must be a lack of the spirit. I would add, I would add an addendum to A.W.'s quote. If there's a lack of fire in our prayer lives, there might be a lack of the spirit, because according to Romans 8, the spirit of God knows how to pray, and we don't. So we need the Spirit of God. So our prayer lives are the furnace of the soul. Is your prayer life the furnace of your soul? Is the prayer life with God, your prayer life with the living God of the universe, is your prayer life distant and cold? Is your prayer life kind of just sporadic? Is your prayer, how in the world can we pray without ceasing unless it's supernatural? Guys, we're talking about anybody in the house, help me out. Anybody in the house believe in the supernatural God? Help me, somebody give me one hand where somebody believes in a supernatural God. If you don't believe in a supernatural God, you can't pray. There's no way that you can pray to a God that is the creator of the universe unless you believe in supernatural power. Because God, the prayer is supernatural power. And praying to God is supernatural. So supernatural, we've got to reclaim supernatural in the right biblical way. Amen? Come on, guys. We want the world to change. You know what the world's not going to do without prayers of the saints? It's not going to change. What are we waiting for? Are we waiting for the, 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 all the sinners to all of a sudden just wake up and like, whoa, we should probably go to church. Is that what we're waiting on? 
the, the life of the church in the early church. You know that Mike, we talk, had a great conversation today. The life of the early church was not sitting on its hands, waiting for the pagan culture to finally wake up. The life of the early church was prayer devoted to the teaching of the, the, teaching of the Lord and the fellowship and, and making sure that the gospel was shed and spread around and abroad. That was the life of the church. And, and somehow or another, I think, somehow or another, that prayer was the furnace. I think this is a Charles Spurgeon quote. The prayer life should be the furnace of your soul for a believer. Is it the furnace of your soul? Is that where your, your temperature control is? Is it the temperature control of your soul? Is, is, is you get your fire from prayer. You get your excitement from prayer. You get your, you get your oh my gosh, you get, you get, your, you get, your, you get your, just your incredible fervency for prayer, right? You get, that's where you get your connection to God. Because you, we and I, you and I don't know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit prays for us. Next verse says this, verse 27. Look at this. The Father, help me out, guys, read this with me. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. Of course, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. How many times do we pray, God, I don't know your will, but your will be done. Now, that's not a bad prayer. Jesus even prayed it. But you know what Jesus knew? Come on, guys, you know what Jesus knew? You know what Jesus knew, Holly? Jesus knew. Jesus knew God's will, didn't he? If this cup would pass from me, let it be. But if not, let it be done. Your will be done. I really do think, I know at least me, let me just own this, I'll own this. Early in my life, Kendall, early in my life, even in seminary days, as beautiful as seminary days were, early in my life, in my prayer life, I would kind of cop out a little bit with prayer sometimes. I would just say, okay, Lord, I don't know what to pray, I don't know how to pray, but Lord, your will be done. And I was off doing whose will? Mine. Is that fair? Is that fair? Maybe, 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 maybe no one else is like that. Maybe, maybe, maybe no one else has ever experienced that. And maybe, maybe, maybe no one else wants a prayer life that's set on fire by the very fire of God himself, the Holy Spirit. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Oh, but the world needs our prayers to be saturated, marinated, and set in fire by the very one and the only one who knows how to pray God's will for us your prayer life is not dependent on you your prayer life is dependent on the holy spirit bayshore do you see this it, am i am i anybody tracking anybody i'm looking for a head nod and one give me one two three head nods a, a thumbs up would give you good thank you nicole I'm in seminary, I hear about this prayer thing, I hear about the Holy Spirit, I'm learning about this, I'm like, okay, so I start, I, in, in seminary, early in my days in seminary, I, I started praying and fasting for the mind of Christ, I started praying and fasting for the mind of Christ, if, if you were in the Bible study on Monday or Tuesday, you've heard this story, but I want to share it with the group here real quick, and then we got one more verse and we're done, so we'll wrap up in good order tonight, just like we did last night, but here's, here's what was happening, so I'm praying for the mind of Christ, I decide, uh, I feel like the Lord leads me on a three-day fast, so three-day fast, I'm on the end of that three-day fast, I think it's a Thursday, I started on Tuesday, and I'm coming back home uh, in Lexington, Kentucky, there's some 
something called New Circle, right? New Circle Road, boop. And so, so I'm going to come around. Somebody needs New Circle? All right. So New Circle Road, and I'm going to come around on New Circle Road. I've been praying and fasting for what? I've been praying and fasting for three days, but what I have been praying for? The mind of Christ. What have I been praying for? The mind of Christ. What have I been praying for? The mind of Christ. I'm driving down New Circle Road. I'm in the left-hand lane, of course. Right, right, right. Yeah, little, little I'm just, I got to get home, got to eat. I got to eat. I've been, I've been, I, got, I got brisket waiting at home. So, so I don't know. So I'm driving home, and I pass this, like this older sedan. It's an older sedan, a four-door sedan, and there's a, probably a 48, 45-year-old woman driving the, the sedan. And I got my little red focus, my little red focus, that uh, my little gas saver driving, and I drive, and I just look over. As I look over, I see this, this, this 40-some-year-old woman driving this, 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 this four-door sedan, and boom, instantly, instantly, I knew that she was battling uh, addiction to prescription painkillers. Instantly. I'm like, Whoa, that was weird. And before I could even have time to process, I'm, I'm still driving, and I'm like, wow. And I look over the next vehicle, and it's an old red farm pickup. It's an old beat, beat up red farm truck, and in that truck is probably an 80, maybe 85-year-old. He's uh, probably about 140 pounds. He's weathered. He's got that, like the wrinkled lines in his face. And I look, and the very first thing that came to my mind was his wife has just died, and he's dying of loneliness. I'm thinking, this is weird. Before I even have time to process it, I keep driving. As I'm driving, I, I pass this little, now this was a sweet little ride. This was a sweet little, this is like a, a Mazda, a little, little, this is like the nicer of the vehicle. And all of a sudden, there's this, this little Mazda. I'm driving this, I'm passing this little, uh, this little sports car. And inside this car was like a 20, maybe 21, 22-year-old woman. And instantly, instantly, I knew that she was in a domestic violence situation, and she didn't know how to get out. Now, guys, if you don't believe in a supernatural God, you just now just dismiss that. If you don't believe in a supernatural God who can give you his mind, you just dismiss that. If you don't believe in a supernatural God that the Bible talks about, you just dismiss that. Or you dismiss yourself. You said, that's not going to happen with me. Why, why would it happen to me if it doesn't happen to you? I think the church of Jesus Christ has relied on its own efforts for prayer far too long. And I think the church of Jesus Christ in this time and age that we live in, this, this, per, this precarious, dangerous time that we live in, I think we need a wake-up call to understand that prayer is a supernatural connection. And the Holy Spirit can give us the mind of Christ. I did not know how those three people suffered the way they did, except how. How did I know how they suffered? How in the world did I know how they were suffering, Dominic? Because the Holy Spirit of the living God knows all people, right? He knows all people. He knows all hearts. He knows exactly how every person is in need of prayer. And he told me how to pray for those three random strangers. I've never seen them again in my life. I've never seen them. But I guarantee I've prayed for him many times since that moment. I passed those three, and now I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm thinking, oh, gosh, what in the world just happened? Lord, give me more, give me more, give me more. And there's this man walking on the far side of New Circle. And I, it was kind of crazy. I, Chuck, I, I looked at him. I said, give me him, Lord. Give me him. I got nothing. 
And the Lord said, I gave you a taste of what I want to give all my people. If they'll just surrender their prayer lives to the Holy Spirit. Come on, guys, you got to help me. Somebody tell me that you were able to pray for someone or something and you didn't know it, but somehow you knew it. Somebody's got to tell me that that's happened in their life. Come on. Right? You prayed for somebody or something. You didn't know. No one told you. But what you prayed for was right on, spot on. Amen? What's your name? Tim? Anybody else? Here's the real question. Anybody want that? And maybe the real question is, if you don't want that, why not? If you don't want that kind of prayer life, why not? Are you content with your prayer life? You got enough? You got enough of Jesus? Come on, no, no, please don't tell me that's true. Anybody got lost family? I said, anybody got lost family? I'll ask again. Anybody got lost family members? Most of my family's lost. Most of my family's lost. Most of my family's lost. I want to know how to pray for them. I don't know how to pray for them, but I know who knows how to pray for them. I know who knows how to pray for my lost family members. I want more of the one who knows how to pray for my lost family members than me just kind of stumbling and bumbling around in prayer. I think this is a, I mean, we can go on and on. We got scriptures in Jude. We have scriptures in Ephesians. We have scriptures in 1 Corinthians that all talk about praying in the spirit, praying by the power of the spirit, praying led by the spirit. All of these scriptures, check it out yourself. Check out the infallible, authoritative, supernatural Word of God. Guys, we cannot deal with the Spirit of God without dealing with supernatural. Amen? I want to know how to pray. I want to know how to pray effectively. I want to know how to pray that changes and moves and, 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 and brings heaven down on earth. Amen? I want my prayers to be effective. You know who prayed? Guys, last thing here, and we'll stick to the next verse, and we'll wrap up with an invitation. Guys, you know this dude named Elijah? Anybody know this dude named Elijah? Come on, guys, anybody? Come on, come on. Anybody know this dude named Elijah? Come on. So Elijah goes up to a mountain, and before he calls fire down on the mountain, he's already doing something kind of supernatural. And even after the fire coming down, He's doing something else supernatural. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody know? Come on, guys. What's, what's Elijah doing? It's the opposite of fire. It's rain. By his prayers, Elijah stops the rain for how long? You remember this? Three and a half years. Then he's praying, and now he's praying, and he prays, and he goes back and prays. He prays, he prays. He's asking the servant, do you see anything? He says it over and over and over, and guess what? Come on, guys, you got to know this, right? There's what? What's happening in the distance? A fist-sized cloud moving in. He's watching the cold front moving, guys. A cold front that hadn't moved for three and a half years. Why? Because Elijah prayed it wouldn't move. 
And then when God, when God uh, 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 empowered Elijah to pray for the rain, guess what happened? Rains came. Anybody read the book of James lately? Anybody read the book of James lately? Anybody remember there's a little verse in the latter parts of the book of James? It mentions Elijah. Anybody remember this? Elijah, comma, a man just like us. Now, either you believe the word of God, and you will walk by faith into that, and you want to go all in. You want to go all in. I just want to ask tonight, base score, I got one more night tomorrow night. Now, just asking, is the kingdom of God worth going all in? Then it must start with our prayer life. It must start with our prayer life. It must start with our prayer life. Elijah, a man just like us, a man just like us, a man just like us, Chuck, a man just like you and me, dude. That is encouraging. Amen? It's also inspiring. Amen? It's also challenging. Amen? It's also a little scary. Amen? But I think I know you well enough. When a man, when two brothers share briskets, something happens. Amen? I think I know you enough to know that you want that. You want that kind of prayer life. Regardless of what it takes, willing to surrender whatever it takes for that kind of prayer life. That's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. That's the question before us. That's the question. I don't know if we're waiting for the world to wake up or we're waiting for the church to wake up. Awake! Awake! Awake is more than a theme. Paul tells the church, awake, O sleeper. Awake, O sleeper. Our prayer lives must be the furnace of our souls. Our prayer lives must be supernaturally charged. Must be supernaturally charged. Are they? And do you want them? Do you want your prayer life to be supernaturally charged? This last verse, verse 28, look at this. We're just going to stop at verse 28. Y'all know this. This is the verse of verses. This is like we quote this all the time. Sometimes we quote it correctly. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Amen? Amen. Here's the problem. Sometimes we don't know God's definition of good. Sometimes we put our definition of good in there, don't we? We talked about isogesis tonight, today, and exegesis. Exegesis, uh, when you look at the scripture, exegesis, uh, E-X, uh, what, what other four-letter word starts with E-X? Exit. Exegesis is when you study the word of God and you pull out from the Bible what it means. Isogesis starts with an I, like M. And when we study the Bible and we say we put into the Bible what we want it to mean, that's called isogesis, correct? Check in with somebody who's a lot smarter than me. The exegesis of this passage, just this right here of good, is how God wants to use your life. 
How does God want to use your life? What is good to God? What is good to God is his glory. That's what's good to God. God wants to get glory from your life. Amen. God wants to get glory for you because he, he knows this. A, he knows that when you go all in for his glory, your life is blessed somehow, but other people are changed too. We think, we think, we think this means all the time that God's going to kind of bless us with good stuff. That's what it kind of means somehow, that all things are going to work together somehow. Understand this, last point on this passage, we got a lot, we could talk about this all night, but one last thing. I have this thing with uh, the church. I, I learned it's actually Kindle, I think, at Asbury. But C-I-E, C-I-E, I don't know if you remember what this letter, these three letters stand for. I don't know if I may have learned it at, at Asbury. I, I think I did. C-I-E, context is everything. Context is everything. Last, come on, guys. Come on, dig in, dig in, dig in. Here we go. Here we go. Last point, and then we're going to offer the invitation. Listen, listen. What was the context last night? And the reason that we can't focus our attention on this world is because we're going to suffer. So instead of focusing on this world, what does God in instead want us to focus on? Heaven. We talk about this, right? Focus on heaven. Focus on the kingdom of God. Focus on what God wants to do with our suffering, right? The context is still suffering here. The context is still, listen, I know you're going to suffer, but ultimately I'm going to do what is good for those who love me. So this promise is only for believers, amen? This is not for non-believers. So of the 7.2 billion people on the planet, this is only good for about what? 8%, how many? Whatever, small percent. Because it says for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Somebody say purpose. Oh, guys, I love you. Oh. Thank you all so much for having me. I know I've got one more night. Kind of giving it all I got here. I just, I just two questions. For 33 years and 364 days of my life, I wasted God's time. I wasted my time on this earth. I wasted God's opportunities. I, I wasted, I just wasted, I wasted, I just wasted. I, 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 I just spent it on all kinds of ways on, on building the kingdom of, of Tim Johnson. And I decided on that day of May the 10th of 1997, no more wasting time. My passion doesn't come just from my love of, of, of God. My passion, Matthew, comes from the knowing that there's an urgency to my life. There's an urgency to my life. There's an urgency to my life. The theme that I did not pick, the theme of this whole conference, the theme of this week is what? Is what? Is what? It's awake, awake tonight. The invitation is to awake to a supernatural prayer life. Woo! Come on. This should be exciting. Yes, sometimes a little daunting. But don't you want it? Do you want 
a boring prayer life? Is that what you want? Do you want a frustrating prayer life? Do you want a prayer life where you just don't see too many answers? Do you think, do you really think that that's what God wants? Do you think that God wants a prayer life where you kind of come in and come out and then just don't see very much from it? Do you really think, so? so please don't tell me that's what you think God wants in your prayer life. When Jesus spent so much of his time in prayer, and, and when Jesus even taught his disciples how to pray, and there's so much teaching in the New Testament about what? Prayer. You know what we see in the Old and New Testament? We see a result. We see miracles. We see things happening in the kingdom uh, coming down on earth. We see things happening that can only happen supernaturally because men and women of faith, common men and women, Kentucky men and women, Michigan men and women, Indiana men and women, common men and women have an uncommon Holy Spirit fueling their prayer life. But you will have to choose that or settle. Settle or catch on fire with this passion for prayer the invitation is this do you want the holy spirit to ignite your prayer life now 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 before jeff everybody rushes to the front there'll be a cost to that There'll be a cost to that. There'll be a cost to that. So, here's what we're going to do tonight. Invite folks here. And we want to be good with our time. And so here we're going to close up right here, right now. I'm going to, I think here's what we're going to do. If you're okay with it. I'm gonna, I think I just I'm gonna be standing right here. You're welcome to come forward to be anointed tonight. Anointing oil. This is actually you know where this is made from? Guess. Michigan. This is holy oil. No, seriously, we bought oil from Michigan. We didn't even know it. And I, my executive assistant told me, uh, hey, I'm going to give you some oil to take with you. And I said, perfect. And uh, I looked at the box when I came up here on Sunday. And sure enough, it's made somewhere in Michigan. This is holy oil, guys. This is your oil. The oil, you know, represents who in the scripture? The Holy Spirit. Now, guys, I don't know. This is not magic. It's Michigan, but it's not magic. And you don't have to come forward. Invite, we're going to just, I'm going to pray out here in just a second. Music team will come up. Uh, those who have to get kids, go get kids, all of that. Do whatever you need to do. I'm going to be as long as you want me to be here. I love you guys. I just want the church of Jesus Christ at Bayshore to wake up to the supernaturalness of a Holy Spirit who I believe is the only one that helps you and helps me know how to pray. Amen? 
And the other call is this. If, if you just are ready, you're ready, you're ready. You're done, you're done, you're done wasting time for the kingdom. You're done, you're done, you're done just kind of having it in first gear. And you're ready to put that thing and go for the kingdom. Let's go. Amen? You're done. You're done with kind of just kind of this uh, 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 spiritual lethargy. You're done with kind of just settling. You're ready to find your purpose in Christ alone. You're ready. You're ready tonight. Amen? You're ready. Altar rails will be open as always. You can come forward. You don't have to be anointed. You can stay seated. I'm going to pray us out. Adam and the team will come up and do whatever they're anointed to do. And the rest of the time is yours and yours alone. Do you want to supernaturally charge? Pray out. Then you're going to need the Holy Spirit. And are you ready? Oh, whoo! Are you ready to walk in your divine purpose? Now, some of you may already know it. Praise God. And you're walking in it. Praise God. But I have found that a lot of the church doesn't know their purpose yet. Let's do it. Let's, let's walk in urgency. Let's know that the time is short. Ours or someone else's that we're supposed to minister to. Come on. The kingdom of God. Yes. Yes. The kingdom of God depends largely on the church of God. So, Lord Jesus, we surrender tonight. We, 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 uh, we hear your word. We, we see, uh, I think, a clear connection. And if we, if we don't and we didn't, then invite us back into the word of God. And Ephesians passages and Jude and 2 and 1 Corinthians and, and Peter about how we pray. Pray without ceasing. Pray in the spirit. Pray by the power of the Holy Spirit. And all these things that, that we see that the Holy Spirit is actually the one who, who is the power source of our prayers. That somehow or another, he can connect us supernaturally to the, the needs of this world. He is the connector between heaven and earth that we need for our prayer lives to somehow bring the kingdom on earth. We pray this in the Lord's Prayer, right? May it be more than just a prayer on Sunday morning. May it be the reality of our prayer lives that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we would be the agents of that. Because we have learned how to trust your spirit in prayer. We take a step tonight, whether we take a step forward, whether we're anointed, whether we come to this altar rail, or whether we stay in our seats. We take a step tonight, I pray, that we don't want to settle for boring or, 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 or some kind of a struggling, settled prayer life where we don't see any real effect. And honestly, there's no fire in it. I do not think that is a biblical norm. I believe you have called us to a higher level and a higher bar of prayer. And I pray also, Lord, for anyone who does not know their purpose in the kingdom, tonight might be the night to step out and say, I don't know the kingdom's purpose for my life, but I am tired of not knowing. And tonight, I pray, Holy Spirit, you fill them with an urgency. Let's, let's wake up to the urgency of the world around us, the kingdom of God wants to advance through the church of God. And we are the warriors for that advancement. So I pray you wake us up to prayer and you wake us up to purpose. I'll say it again. You wake us up to prayer and you wake us up to purpose. And the common denominator of both is your 
Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' your mighty name. Amen. Guys, we love you. You are free to come forward. You're free to go to the altar. You're free to pick up kiddos, whatever you need to do. Free